Derek Carr just made negotiating for the Green Bay Packers much easier, whether Aaron Rodgers wants to stay or whether he wants to go. Plus, Keith Sanchez from Locked On NFL Draft joins me to debrief on the NFL Combine. All of that starts right now. You are Locked On Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Touchdown! You are locked on Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for the Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter. I'm Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Thanks to everyone who makes Locked on Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. As I mentioned, Keith Sanchez from Locked on NFL Draft is going to be on the show a little bit later to talk about all things Combine. We will get to that in due time. But a big piece of the quarterback landscape came into focus on Monday. Derek Carr signs a multi-year deal with the New Orleans Saints. It's for a lot of money, and it means the New York Jets are now desperate. And this is important for Green Bay for a number of different reasons. First, it brings into focus. This is not the most important reason, but this is Sort of the, this is like reverse order. It brings into focus an NFC that is pretty open. And so it would be understandable for the team to go, eh, Aaron Rodgers, Packers, probably second best quarterback in the NFC, maybe the best quarterback in the NFC, um, depending on how you want to rank these things. Last year, he certainly was not, but could again be the best quarterback in the NFC. And so that gives you a chance to win the Super Bowl. On the other hand, You might have like the third or fourth best quarterback if Jordan Love is like as good as Aaron Rodgers was in 2019. So there's two parts of that. More importantly, to be sure, now, regardless of whether Aaron Rodgers wants to stay in Green Bay or he wants to go somewhere else, the Packers can say, look, um, The options are limited. This is the situation. And so if you're going to come back, the contract has to change. We know that. Jeremy Fowler reported that this is an impediment for other teams. We know that that's also not true. And here's why. Um, Aaron Rodgers said on the record, if he's going to come back and play, the contract has to change. We know this. This is not an impediment. And we also... And in in one of just the best, just the absolute best moments, we got a report that the Jets, there were some people pushing in the building for Jimmy Garoppolo, not Derek Carr. Come on. No one is buying this. This is about as naked as it gets when it comes to negotiating through the media. The Jets want Aaron Rodgers. Derek Carr went to New Orleans in part because the Jets want Aaron Rodgers. 
This is not a secret. We all know it. They have made no secret about it. It has been, you know, I would say it's the worst kept secret in the NFL, but it's not even a secret. They're going on the record with reporters about it. Everyone in the league knows Aaron Rodgers is their number one. And and you know who else knew that? Derek Carr. And so Derek Carr said, I am not going to play second fiddle to anyone. I'm going to go get my money in New Orleans. That's one fewer team in on a potential Aaron Rodgers trade. But Tom Silverstein from um, Packers News and Milwaukee Journal Sentinel was on our friend Ty Dunn's podcast talking about potential teams. He mentioned the Panthers and the Dolphins in the mix here. Kurt Benkert last weekend um, mentioned the Dolphins as in the mix here. We still think the Raiders and the Jets are very much in the mix here. There are going to be plenty of teams that want to be in on Aaron Rodgers if, in fact, he becomes available. And everything we're getting from the media, everything suggests this trade is happening. Mike Silver who is as Rogers friendly, or at least has been as Rogers friendly, a media person as we've had. They have the Cal connection. Mike has written a lot of Rogers pieces going back in the day. And, I, and I, I'm not even like, I don't think it's even fair to accuse Mike of bias on this. I don't, I've met Mike Silver like twice. This is not like a buddy of mine that I'm trying to protect. I don't, I, I barely know him from Adam, right? He had some devastating, devastating quotes in his piece for Bally Sports about how the Packers felt like Rodgers took his money and checked out, that he was not the leader that they wanted him to be, that the team is not going to fall all over itself to try and bring back Aaron Rodgers on his terms. This is maybe the clearest sign yet. We have reached the end here with Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, the, the Jets side of this is, is interesting. They're trying, you know, trying to pretend like the Jimmy Garoppolo is actually an option for them when everyone knows Aaron Rodgers is the number one here. Now, what I do think is interesting, you know, Rich Eisen mentioned this on his show. That there are these reports and that he had heard multiple times in Indianapolis from teams that the assumption is the Packers would like Aaron Rodgers to say, I want to be somewhere else. And the problem with this is it is a passive approach from the team. It is them saying, Aaron, we want you to make this decision. We don't we don't want you back, really. But what we want more than that is for you to not want to be back because we don't want to be the ones to take this PR hit. We don't want to be the ones that pushed Aaron Rodgers out. And so we want you to be the one to make this decision. Now, I don't know if we put, you know, Brian Gutekinds on truth serum and Mark Murphy, you know, five, six, seven, eight bourbons deep. Probably he's a former NFL player, like it probably takes a lot. To give us the real on this, that if Rodgers were to come, want to come back, what they would do. NFL media has been reporting that they would welcome him back. Maybe that's media spin. I don't know. But Green Bay has not 
done what you would do if you wanted your franchise quarterback back. Even the Ravens, who it looks like are going to franchise tag Lamar and be open to trading him for a in his prime MVP candidate, have have said stronger things about wanting him back than the Packers have with with Aaron Rodgers. Brian Gutekunst has avoided every opportunity to say this is our guy and we're going to continue to fight with him until he wants to hang it up emphatically did not do that this year and that fits with everything that has been reported out there it's also worth noting by the way that that Mike Silver reported issues with leadership issues with commitment that he took his money and ran kind of thing not going to OTAs and we said on the show look did I say did it make a difference Maybe, maybe not. I, you know, I said at the time and then again later, I think it would have made a marginal, marginal difference. It's not the reason that they went, you know, eight and nine instead of nine and eight or 10 and seven or whatever. But there is an esoteric value. There is a, a non-quantifiable value to being there with your guys from a leadership standpoint. Doing the bare minimum is not generally what we expect from a franchise quarterback. Patrick Mahomes went out of his way to spend extra time with this group because this was a different group than it had been in years past. And this is always my response when I hear, well, why did you have to do anything different this year than years past? Because Devontae Adams isn't there. Because Marquez Valdez-Scanling isn't there. Like this is, this is, you guys, honestly, not that hard when it comes to trying to spot the differences. And, and I get it. Most of the people pushing back on that part of the narrative are not doing it in good faith. They are doing it because the outcome that they want is for no criticism to be valid of Aaron Rodgers. And if that's where you are, I get it. I understand it. But I don't agree with it because it's not the reality. It is it is the fan bubble that brings you to that place where Aaron Rodgers has to be Teflon where every piece of criticism has to bounce off of him. And it, this is a remnant of early in his career when there were a lot of really unfair criticisms of Aaron Rodgers. But but now it's different. And so we've reached the point where so much has come out from legitimate, respected, bona fide journalists who are not just here, you know, they're here for a long time, not a good time to, to borrow from our friend Drake. Noted Locked On Packers listener, Drake, obviously. They're, they're not just here to be like, oh, let's just throw some stuff at the wall. No. We're talking about the biggest and best people in our industry in terms of being connected and being plugged in saying, Man, there's some weird, the bad stuff going on here. The Packers don't really want Aaron Rodgers back. There's questions about his leadership and his commitment and and his his play and all of these things. Like a lot of stuff is is being leaked to make Aaron Rodgers look bad. And so even if a week ago Aaron Rodgers wanted to be back in Green Bay. I don't know how over the last week you look at what's going on and go, yeah, I definitely want to be a part of this organization that is letting all this stuff come to the fore. And so in a way, and this is part of what I was saying last week, or maybe it was the week before, you know, maybe it is the case that the Packers, if Aaron Rodgers begged them to come back, that they would take him. 
But instead, what they are doing is it's like there's killing with kindness and then there's killing with apathy. And that is kind of what the Packers are doing here. And we'll do whatever you want. We don't, you know, whatever. You want to come back? We can come back. But if you want to leave, you want to leave. That's fine. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. It has to be the right fit. To just do this where it's like totally non-committal in all these ways is, is a commitment. It's like how um, choosing to not respond is in itself a response. And I think that what they're doing is making it very clear to Aaron Rodgers by not fawning all over him as they did the last couple of years and bending over backwards to accommodate him with these ridiculous contracts, a contract that looks horrible in retrospect last year they're making it clear we're not interested and if you're interested that's cool but we're not so we're setting this up for you to say i want to go we will grant you your leave and go enjoy new york and as of this recording that's where we are I think the Raiders are lurking. I think the the Panthers and the Dolphins are lurking. But the Jets are the favorites. The Raiders are uh, a a somewhat distant second. And then Miami is that like that mystery team, that dark horse team that could really be in the mix here shortly. All right. We're going to get to Keith Sanchez from Locked On NFL Draft here in a second. But before we get there, the midway point of the NBA season is here. And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. You've got a lot of fun stuff that you can be betting on. The Bucs did just lose. And I didn't, I didn't go check the odds. I'm kind of bummed. I didn't because then they won the next night and, you know, the Celtics have, you know, they lost two in a row. And then it was like, okay, well, I'm not going to get the good value there. I may just end up betting them game by game in the playoffs because they're going to win a bunch of these games. So I'm, I'm excited about that. But you can do it no sweat especially if you're joining FanDuel because you can get that no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NBA. You thought you had tough job interviews. Well, try running in underwear in front of hundreds of people. The NFL scouting combine over the weekend in Indianapolis concluded on Sunday night, and it was a lot of fun. Um, there are a lot of very hungover sports media people and NFL executive and coaches right now. And and maybe one of them, Keith Sanchez, locked on NFL draft host, joins me now. And and Keith, we, we like to come out of this with winners and losers. I'm not going to ask you that question because I think it's a little reductive. But what what player or players stood out to you in a positive way the most over the last few days? I think it was definitely the defensive line slash edge group. I, I think it was the most impressive, right? You're talking about running 40 times. You're talking about guys that uh, pretty much everyone is 
250 plus and some of the times that they were able to put up and really showcase those 40 times we not only think of Nolan Smith I know he stole the show but Byron Young the edge from Tennessee man Mm -hmm. he's clearly on people radars as an edge rusher people felt good about him but I think they probably feel great about him now um Will Anderson you know it'll be a a point of conversation for a four or six right but I'll remind everyone is that Aiden Hutchinson I believe ran a, a kind of late 4-6-40 last year, but guess what? It translated to, uh, you know, to playing pretty well his rookie year, so it's not as important. So I think Will Anderson did what he had to do also. I, ha- I have to ask you about Anthony Richardson. That was someone I talked to Brandon Olson, our, our Locked on Gators host, about. Um, there are going to be some people who say, well, uh, he's a quarterback. So, I, you know, 4-4-4 four, four, four is cool. Um, the Moses Malone, uh, the official time. And then, you know, the the record-setting vertical jump. You go, yeah, but he's a quarterback. Like, it's not the same. It's not, but it's not not that different, right? Like, what is your impression of the workout and how you how it changes for you what you think of Anthony Richardson? Yeah, it's, man, the workout is impressive, right? And I think the workout... Um, it kind of signals or it identifies the ceiling for the player, right? And then obviously there's still a film. So I try to put this thing into perspective. So there's still a film for Anthony Richardson and you know, there's still some development that needs to be there as a quarterback. But luckily, um, you know, we're in the age now, especially in the NFL, where there's not just one offense, right? A pro style offense in the NFL, you have to ask yourself, what is that, right? There's so much RPO, there's so much, um, you know, read option type things that I think that once you identify the ceiling for Anthony Richardson, especially as an offensive coordinator, head coach, you can put him in positions to win because there were really good moments on film for Anthony Richardson. They just lack the inconsistent, the weather consistencies. Um, but I think you can kind of coach him into that. And I mean, NFL teams should be extremely excited uh, to get their hands on Anthony Richardson. Yeah, I've been saying before the combine, I think he there's there's just no way someone like that gets out of the top five. Uh, the weekend just confirmed it for me, but I'll be really interested to see how this all plays out. Um, we, we can't go go through this and not talk about some of the players, or I think in this case, a whole position group where there were questions and then um, they didn't answer them. Um, this is I, I'm thinking of one position group in particular. I'm interested to see if you think the same one in terms of maybe maybe you're a little lower on some of these guys coming out after the weekend. Safeties. Mm. Man, they did not, I, to be honest, they didn't perform well, man. They were, um, you know, the, the guys that we expected to run well didn't run well. And on top of that, they were pretty much undersized, right? We're talking about guys that were sub six foot, sub 200 pounds, and then they ran in the high four fives, even into the four sixes. So now you really have to ask yourself, will there be a first round safety drafted? Um, You know, Kyle Hamilton, as good as Kyle, Hamilton, Kyle Hamilton's film was, and, you know, he was size, right? He was six four, two hundred 200 plus pounds. He still fell to the middle of the first round based off of that 40 time now you're talking about you know players that are five inches shorter than Kyle Hamilton uh you know 20 pounds lighter and they still ran about the same time I think this uh safety class is going to be very similar to the safety class with Xavier McKinney and Grant Delpit um to where there was no safety drafted in the first round and you know there will be some teams that'll take safeties in the top of the second round Xavier McKinney was the first name I thought of when I saw Brian Branch's 40 time, who is one of those guys who you mentioned came in undersized below six feet, below 200 pounds, and then runs high four fives. That's just, that's just not what you want. I it's interesting. I was actually thinking of the receivers. What was your impression of this receiver group? A lot of these guys came in even smaller than we thought, which is crazy because we knew they were going to come in small. And then the small guys didn't, didn't run that fast. What do you think of the receivers? 
Yeah, it's it's really mad. You know, that's, that's kind of how you felt <laughs> the entire time, man. You're kind of confused. And, you know, the headliner, right, the guy that performed was Jordan Addison. And this another guy came in sub six foot, 175 pounds, and then ran in the mid four or five. So it's like, well, hey, Jordan Addison, Josh Downs, Zay Flowers, Marvin Mims, what's the difference, right? So I think you have to approach it with, hey, um, man, if I'm going to draft Jordan Addison in the first round, I might as well just draft Marvin Mims in the late second to early third round because I'm probably getting the same thing as far as a skill set. I have to ask you about for the Packers. They have very specific preferences. They like bigger guys. So in this class, there are like, what, four guys that you could say. Um, and, and luckily, two of them, at least in the drills, we saw them perform, performed exceptionally well, Quentin Johnson and Jackson Smith-Najigba. But neither of them performed in maybe the most important drill for a lot of players, but maybe not for receivers, the 40 time and speed, certainly in the case of JSN is a question mark. Did you come away more impressed, less impressed, as impressed um, with, with those guys after their workout? Yeah, so with Quentin Johnston, anytime you have big wide receivers, right, the on the field drills are important because you want to see their ability to sink their hips, be explosive out of the cuts. Because we've seen big wide receivers, right, and all they can do is run vertical. Well, mm-hmm. that's an easy cover for a defensive back. So the really good wide receivers that are, you know, six foot plus, those are the guys that can get separation by sinking their hips, getting out of their, you know, getting out of their breaks, creating separation. So Quentin Johnston was able to showcase that. In regards to Jackson Smith and Jigba, he didn't run the 40, but I think it was his three, his three cone or his shuttle was really impressive. I think it was like a three nine or something like Both that. Both of them. So, yeah. Three yeah. nine three on the shuttle and then a six, six and a half, I think, on the on the three cone, which is crazy. Yeah, that's crazy numbers, right? You're talking about elite level short area quickness. And guess what? That goes right to his game. So I think you just need to know what you're drafting him. We talk about the Packers. I think that goes right into the Packers. Do you already have Christian Watson? You have Romeo Dobbs, these big wide receivers. Now get you um, you know, get you Jackson Smith and Jigba to kind of work that slot, and then you have a great compliment. Uh, something we've talked about a lot on my show is the shape of this draft and how that that um, creates a game plan for you. You know, we talk about this fantasy football. Okay, I want to get my running backs early. I want to do this. Like, I think every draft, it's important to know where your where your positions of depth are, so that you can say, okay, if we don't get a receiver here, we can get one later, or whatever whatever the position is. The edge class at the top, not super strong, but there's a lot of guys that I think you can talk yourself into. I mentioned there were 18 guys on top 50 lists on a, just a handful of top 50 lists that I was looking at. That's a lot of guys. So when you look at that, how does that make you approach a position like that? Are you saying, okay, I can wait on that guy or is the history of edge rushers where you need to get them early, tell you, you know what? I know there's a lot of these guys, but if you like one, you got to get one early because they could be gone, you know, fast, quick and in a hurry. Yeah, I, I think specifically in this class, you can wait, man. Like you said, some, you know, some lists are 18 in the top 50. You know, that could be 15 or it'd be much as 20, right? Somewhere around there. So you, you think about it, there is a, a top tier. You're talking about Will Anderson, Tyree Wilson, um, you know, maybe a Brian Brissett, Miles Murphy. And then that second tier, I think, is, is 12 to 15 guys. So I, I think if you're looking for an edge rusher, you can definitely wait to the second round and then uh, still find a pretty good edge rusher because there's also a separation, I think, in this class between guys whose ceiling are um, kind of run stop or, you know, the set the edges, run defenders, and then those guys whose ceiling are pass rush specialists. And so if you're looking for pass rush specialists in this class, I think there are a, a plentiful 
of them that you'll be able to grab in the second and third round to be able to develop. What about tight end? Because Daniel Jeremiah on the broadcast mentioned he thinks there could be three going in the first round. I love the value of the day two guys, guys like Sam Laporta and Davis Allen, I think are really good football players. What do you think of this tight end class, which by and large tested really, really well. The guys at the top of this class look really, really impressive athletically. Where do you think these guys are going to come off the board? Yeah, so I I think for the Sam Laporta, like if you're a GM and you really like Sam Laporta, yesterday was not a good day for you, right? Because he showcased <laughs> well. He, he had a really good day. And I'll be honest, I really like Sam Laporta. So a guy that I had a third round grade because he's been relatively calm about him. Now you have to wonder, will this guy go in the second round? Because he ran really well. What you've seen on film translated to the NFL combine testing. So I do think there'll be a combination of two to three tight ends taken in the first round. Uh, but if you're a team that you miss on in the first round, man, you better be sitting early in the second round because I do see um, a run on tight ends in the first round. And then at early second, people are going to panic because they're like, hey, it's probably a limited amount of guys. It's probably a top five. And those top five will probably go in 45, top 45 to top 50 picks. So top 45 Packers pick at 45. Like that's the, that's the gamble, right? Like you, I think you are gambling. If you don't take one at 15 and don't trade down. Cause I think, you know, if you could, you could justify to me, you could justify a Dalton Kincaid at 15 or trade a little bit down and, and get a Michael Mayer. But then like, if, if you don't take a Laporta at 45, by the time you get to the, the back end of the third round, those top guys probably going to be gone. Right. So like, how, how would you handle just trying to game this out? Yeah, so if if I'm the Green Bay Packers, I'm I'm looking at my board. I'm saying this at 15, I still have an opportunity to get an elite level tight end, right? Because tight ends probably won't go in the top 10, right? But you know, in the teens, the early teens, you you have an opportunity and you feel really comfortable. So if it's a Luke Musgrave, Michael Mayer, whoever, I feel good about getting that player there. And then in a the second round, I can draft the edge because we talked about there are 15 yeah. of them, right? I have a better chance of getting a Byron Young or a Felix and Duque Uzoma out of Kansas State or a BJ Ajilari, you know, and the list goes on and on. Will McDonald, right? I, I have a better feeling about those guys being there at 45 versus an elite level tight end, which I, I just don't foresee happening um, in this draft. And then you take Cedric Tillman in the third round and you're, you feel great. Like, there like we I, go. And we, we ready to roll. <laughs> is there, is there a, like the Packers have this history of day two receivers, Christian Watson being the most recent example. Do you have a favorite day two guy? Yeah. I don't know if I discussed him yet. Um, Iowa state wide receiver, Xavier Hutchinson. Check mm. this guy out, man. He, he, he's, he fits the Packers, right? He's, yep. he's over six foot. He's, 200 plus pounds and he's had the production at Iowa state. I, I can't remember exactly, but I think it's back to back seasons that he's had over hundred yards receptions. He's been their go-to guy. And I'll tell you this, man, this guy's a, he's a premier route running. And I always talk about route running. It's not always about how fast you can get somewhere. It's the temple. And he understands temple. He understands getting open. The one knock on him or the one question mark about him was his speed. But guess what? He came into the NFL combine. He ran a four five, which is plenty fast enough. And his skill set and the way he approaches the game, I don't like throwing comps out there, but I will throw it out there in his case. Um, his skill set reminds me of Keenan Allen because Keenan mm-hmm. Allen is not a very fast guy, but runs routes and understands how to get open. And Keenan Allen ran a four seven one uh, yeah. back in the day. <laughs> now he was hurt. I always remind people he was hurt, but speed was never his game. So that, that is, I I love that. Um, Any, any other just like lasting impression, just a guy that's, well, before we do that, I have to ask you, Darnell Washington, my goodness. I mean, the the two fastest three cones at the combine were Jackson Smith and Jigba 
And Darnell Washington, Darnell Washington is 70 pounds heavier than Smith the Jigba. That is ridiculous. What did you think of seeing him in person move around that the one-handed catch is the thing that's gone viral, but he seems like the kind of guy who on the field, these teams are going to go, holy crap. Yeah, I thought it was so impressive because this this is what we knew, right? We knew that he was a decent athlete. And we knew once you get the ball in his hands, he's a tough tackle. But he was able to showcase his athleticism, right? I, I almost thought coming into this, I'm like, this is probably, a, you know, the, the rumbling, bumbling type of guy, right? That, you know, you get him the ball and, you know, let him fall forward for a couple of yards. But he showcased, he looked a little bit thinner than what he was on film. So he probably lost some weight so he could move better. But, you know, he showed that he can do that. And I think, man, that's special. You get down to the red zone, you have a six, seven guy that you could just simply, you know, throw the football up to. Um, I think, you know, any team would be A-OK with that opportunity. All right. I'll, then I will ask you the question. Any any player, any position that you came away going, man, he this guy, I, I really like what he did. And, and not a lot of people are talking about this guy. Yes. Uh, my guy, Louisville corner, Keytrail Clark. Listen, I'm going to tell you this. I've been in the dark on this guy, man. I, I gave him a second round grade early on in the draft process. I'm talking about like October, right? I watched my games. I gave him a second round grade. And then, you know, now we're in a swing of the draft thing and nobody's talking about him. And I'll tell you this, Pete, it's a lonely world out there, man. When you're by <laughs> yourself and you're the only one that like a prospect. And so I was like, I'm wondering what's wrong with this guy. And so I'm like, he must be slow, right? So he came in, he ran and he ran, a, I believe, a 4-4 which is a great time for a corner. This guy is physical. He has balls. Have to have it. Yeah, versatility as a football player. So I was really excited about that. So that was the one guy when he came in, I was like, you know what? I appreciate you. You made me look really good in this moment. (laughs) I love it. Well, and who knows? Packers have had a a little bit of success with a Louisville corner in the past. So maybe maybe they make it two for two. (laughs) Keith, I appreciate the time, man. No problem. Thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. Now go make your second listen Locked On NFL Draft. Damian Parson and our friend Keith Sanchez provide in-depth coverage on the biggest NFL Draft prospects with deep dives into the sleepers and hidden gems that can change your favorite NFL franchise. In this case, probably the Packers. Find Locked On NFL Draft wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, back tomorrow. This is going to be a busy week because we're going to get an Aaron Rodgers answer. We have to. Tampering starts next week, although Tom Silverstein hinted like this may drag on. I don't see how that happens. If it doesn't look like in the next couple of days the Packers are going to get an answer, you start actively shopping Aaron Rodgers and you make him make a decision. Dare him to retire rather than go play. He does not have a no trade clause. There is this money that has to get worked out, but look, Jeremy Fowler in the morning had the, the money is the impediment problem. And then we get the, well, Jimmy Garoppolo all along was was a guy that they were in on. This is the Jets trying to get a better deal. Period. End of story. So the the Packers either fleece the Jets and, and get what they need. Or you call somebody else. You call the commanders and make them say no. You call Jim Irsay and make him say no. You call the Titans. Make them say no. And then you see what happens and and you force Aaron Rodgers' hand. That's what you have to, you cannot let this drag on, especially in the free agency. It it just, it doesn't work that way. And you you do what Ted Thompson did with Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. And you say, okay, Brett, I know you want to go to Minnesota. We're not doing that. Enjoy New York. 
And maybe that's where we end up landing with Aaron Rodgers as well. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. Oh, it's been a long off season already, hasn't it? Uh, You can follow us on any podcast platform. That's where we are. All of them. All of them. We're anywhere you find podcasts. And of course, when Aaron Rodgers makes a decision, we will go live. I have an errand to run that's about a half an hour away from my house tomorrow. And I just know it's going to happen tomorrow when I'm as far away as I possibly could be from being at a computer to react to all this. I just know that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. I'm sorry. That's what's going to happen. That's where we are. Um, and and when I get a chance, I will be on YouTube live on our Locked on Packers YouTube page to react to all of this so you can, of course, stay Locked on Packers.